Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics Podcast and the Times. I'm Matt Jolly. This is the second in our series of special Beyond the Fringe episodes, speaking to some of the political acts taking shows to this year's Edinburgh Fringe. I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Ford, star of Unspun on Dave and host of the Political Party Podcast. He takes his show Brexit Pursued by a Bear to the Pleasants. And Grace Campbell, whose dad is Alistair Campbell, is at the Gilded Balloon with her show Why I'm Never Going Into Politics. Welcome to you both. Hello. So the first the first pitch is um, if you're out flying, maybe you're too posh and successful now to do your own flying. But if you were out flying, what's your pitch to someone in the street as to why you should come and see your show? Let's start with you, Grace. And I pointed out who your dad was because it's interesting that, that having had a dad who's been in politics and still is, you mm. you are so determined not to go mm. into politics. Well, that's my pitch probably. My dad's Alistair Campbell. I grew up in politics. <laughs> come and see my show. Yeah. And I'm an activist, and I've worked a lot in the kind of feminist campaigning area since I was like 17 years old but I have decided to kind of write a show which is all about a rejection of Westminster basically by someone who was born the month her father started working for Tony Blair whose third birthday was ruined by the general election of 1997 (laughs) (laughs) my life has been dominated by politics so it's not like oh hi my dad's Alistair Campbell come and see my show it's like I'm writing about my life which has been quite bizarre at times and it's quite feminist and I also talk lots about sex and masturbation so it's got a good mix. <laughs> Quite similar to yours, I'm Matt. I'm definitely coming. <laughs> now, the interesting thing, I was looking at the um, the, the blurbs for the Ed Fringe, yeah. and Grace's is very detailed. She talks about, you know, as she was saying, her dad's Alistair Campbell, worked close with Tony Blair for many years, co-founder of the Pink Protest, expect vagina jokes, mental health in Parliament, anecdotes of hanging out with Putin's kids. We'll come on to that in a sec. Matt, yours is just... Uh, join Britain's leading political comedians he once again promises his last show as an EU citizen maybe and then a load of reviews my sense is that when you wrote this you didn't know what your show was going to be about I think that's I think you're absolutely right it's a good pun again Brexit pursued by a bear I'm trying to I'm running out of Brexit puns and I'm trying to do ones that other people wouldn't do and the danger with doing ones that other people wouldn't do is that you do ones that other people can't understand or that it's gibberish but I think it, at least it's silly. So it says, you know, it's Brexit, but it's daft. So it's what not... were the less good rejected ones? Oh God! Oh God! Um, fire Brexit! Um, you know what? I've got a word document on my laptop of about a hundred <laughs> shit wow. Brexit puns, and if that's the one that got through, imagine, imagine how oh, bad I like the that ones. one. And last year it was Brexit through the gift shop. Brexit through the gift shop. Yeah, it's kind of it, it, it sort of says what it is on the tin that it's going to be a, a satirical comedy show, but it's not. Overly, overly serious. 
It's you know, it's a muck about. It's funny. And if you spent the last month, six months, year with people saying, "Oh, I bet you're gonna have to rewrite it all now, aren't you?" Yeah, the last sort of five years, the last <laughs> yeah. five years, especially since the Scottish independence referendum, it's been so volatile. So in twenty fourteen, there's a referendum. Twenty fifteen, election. Twenty sixteen, a referendum. Twenty seventeen, an election. Twenty eighteen, a leadership contest. So just constant, constant. But I, th- I think that's good for me, because if it's if it's kind of. I would far rather we lived in calmer times. I actually loathe the period we live in. But for writing satirical comedy, I'm I'm angrier now than I've ever been at politics. Probably for the same reasons you are. Mm. And I think that's quite a good way I think that's a good starting point for creating, you know, yeah. a, a show or art of any sort. Do you think you need that that sort of reaction so it's not just a sort of list of puns or amusing observations? Does it need a bit of grit in it? Maybe not. I mean not necessarily. It depends on the comedian, you know. You, uh, it's not. I mean, I, I should point out, it's not going to be some sort of diatribe. It still is the same sort of comedy that I'm used to doing. I'm just maybe a bit more passionate about it now. Um, so I don't think you necessarily. Need, it depends on the comedian, you know. Alexi Sale needs to get angry. Tim Vine doesn't. You know, it just depends on what sort of comedy you're doing, I guess. Mine's quite angry at bits. <laughs> but what are like, you most angry about? That Boris Johnson's our Prime Minister. <laughs> well, that's and he's there's an hour. a terrible, terrible person. No, I mean, there's there's lots, but I try to sort of balance it between no one finds activists funny ever. So when I started doing stand-up, I was like never introducing myself as an activist, even though I worked on like the No More Page 3 campaign when I was still at school. I was always really feminist. But I always think when you say I'm a comedian and activist, the activist just subtracts the comedy yes. from, <laughs> from your introduction. Yeah. <laughs> so I like in writing this show, it's been really interesting and in getting that balance of like I'm making a point, but I'm not preaching. You know, like I'm still here to be funny and to make you laugh. And so, is the does the comedy come first? Absolutely, yeah, a hundred percent. The show, I I think it's pretty funny, and I think I've made lots of different types of people laugh with it because I've really there's just a lot of mix of stuff in there but there are bits that aren't that funny there are bits you know where I talk about my mum and the the effect that like my dad's career had on her and stuff like that so it's just a mixture but yeah comedy comes first for sure and so how do you go about writing it how do you get to the point of having 55 minutes to take to Edinburgh for me it's been a real rush I only started doing stand-up last April wow yeah bloody hell and then Three months in, I was like, I know what my show's April this be. year? April last year. Okay. No, April 2018. And then in July last year, I was like, I'm going to take a show to Edinburgh next year. Everyone thinks I'm crazy and just too cocky. I know what it's going to be about. It's called Why I'm Never Going Into Politics. I had the idea for a show then. So I've literally just been working on it since then. So it's... I've, I've Because I knew I'm overcompensating from lack of experience... I've just put in a lot of work in the last year. <laughs> and how much has that been performing it live and trying stuff a out? A lot. A lot. Yeah, I've been previewing it since February because <laughs> I'm so scared. But that's so exciting me because what you've got that so few comedians will ever have is an actual story you know you want to tell. So people have stories within them based on, you know, even to the outside, a mundane life will have incredible stories in it. But you have a story you definitely know you want to tell. So it's not as if you're just cobbling together any old shit for a show for the sake of it. You, you're you driven by... And that's what the, one of the great things about Edinburgh is there are people... There are all sorts of different types of comedy up there. There's just thousands of different comedians. One of the best shows I ever saw up there was a guy called James Bannon. It's a show called Running With The Firm. 
and it wasn't stand-up in the traditional sense, but he'd been an undercover copper who infiltrated Millwall's hooligan firm in the 1980s. And it was one of the most... I think I wow. saw it five times. Wow. And someone's just got a really good story to tell, and they can make it funny. That's You're giving the audience so much more. You're mm. giving them a different type of show. So actually, it doesn't matter if you haven't been going that long, because you, you know the story you're trying to tell. And that in itself, for an hour, man, it's incredible. Yeah. And what I also feel lucky for is then what you're talking about with politics now it's like we are constantly being given more and more stuff so i'm i'm not worried that like after this show it's like that's done because (laughs) literally this is like a never-ending cycle of shit news (laughs) which my dad keeps getting involved in (laughs) good on him and and so matt what about you because obviously how long have you been doing it now because we should explain you were previously a I mean, not quite of Alistair's no. stature. No, used to work for the party. Used to, used to be a Labour party. press officer. It's still, it's still, it's so um, almost Orwellian that I still refer to it like that. But I worked for the Labour Party for a while. Yeah. And Alistair, was Alistair your boss? Oh God, no, no. I worked in the East Midlands Regional Office. Okay. So I was a very lowly. When cog. was this? So I was working for the party two thousand. Oh God, two thousand and five to two thousand and seven. Okay. So sort of later years. And then worked for MPs and worked in local government as an advisor. So for me, it's slightly different because... So I think this is my 10th Edinburgh show wow. on the run of doing a solo show about politics. And that, you know, in the you know you, your first show is kind of everything you've got to date. That's kind of your greatest hits at that point. It's like your first album. In a way, that's your easiest one. The second year's the hardest because then you're like, oh my God, you just ditched everything you've had. Although actually, because you've started relatively recently that's not a problem you've got really you're used to writing a show in a year yeah so you're sort of match fit hopefully so then next year's show isn't going to be as daunting well it won't be because you're like well I've had to write a show in a year before so mine basically I write all year round and then basically whatever I've got that can still be used in August is there but obviously we keep having events in June and July like general (laughs) elections resignations so most of it gets lost and then I'm in a period where in June and July I'm basically writing it. And then in August it's an hour about the year. Whereas this year it's different, actually. It is more a sense of a, a frustration, particularly at the Labour Party. Yeah. And, you know, shining a light on the horror that it's become in a funny way and with silly voices. And then I always have a President Trump section, which is handy. Because <laughs> um, you do, imp- we should make the point. You do impressions as well. Well, be- be- being able to impersonate makes it a lot easier, because then I can sort of. I, I always think, well, I can, I can do. The structure for me is generally start with the Tories because they're in government and that's fair. Earn the audience's trust because the Labour stuff is going to hurt them more because they tend to be more Labour. So get them on side with the Tory stuff. Give them a damn good thrashing. <laughs> then tell them that Corbyn's a racist. See how long I can deal with that for about, you know, before the clock runs down on that. Move on from that. Give the SNP a wallop. And then, you know, Farage, Trump. And then I end with, you know, it's an honour to be here. Well, that sort of thing. And just do, basically. Sort of just, just to cheer them up at yeah, the end. Yeah, just kind of, yeah. sort of get them back on side. Well, yeah. I did enjoy it. I was definitely laughing at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing that... Um, God, I don't even know. I've been doing this. It is stand-up. I've, I've tried to resist calling it stand-up. It's basically a stand-up thing. And I'm going on tour in the autumn. Amazing. I'm going on holiday instead of going to Edinburgh. Wow. But I've, but I've been doing this... I mean, you are right. It is basically like the first album. So the story starts in 2005 when I first started covering politics. Oh, wow. And... Politics was really boring. For about a year, the biggest story in politics was that like, David Cameron didn't have a tie on. And now I sort of chronicled what you were just yes. saying about how it's got madder and madder. But you're right. I don't know if I do it again. I've got nothing. I've, you know, I've... 
well, you've got to, to start all over again. Writing. You have to write. I mean, you have to gig all the time. Yeah, there is no substitute. So well, you're doing like comedy clubs and things. No, no, quite the opposite. What? <laughs> <laughs> I did my first hour last year at the Cheltenham Festival. Right. And then I sold out the Bloomsbury Theatre in right. May. I think it was just before you were there or just after. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I've done a couple of book festivals and stuff. And then I'm going on tour the autumn. So you got a book? No. Right. But they were they wanted me and they're, they're a oh, nice well, sort good. of harmless audience to. Yeah, I mean, there's no substitute for constantly gigging. That yeah. is the yeah. that is the only way to got time. But also, like, <laughs> <laughs> if you're going on tour, you need to find the time. You are right. So I actually don't want to be a like political comedian. I want to do this show, and then actually, I want to be able to like do a whole show about sex. If I if that's what I want to do. But like the politics of sex. In the sense fe- of small it will p. always be feminist, yeah. like because that's everything I do. Even if you see my show, it's all about like women and my perspective as a young girl. You know, one of the beginning bits is that I've been competing with Tony Blair my whole life, <laughs> so it's really fucked me up, basically, <laughs> yeah. because I've wanted to act like a man with power yeah. since a very young age. Wow. Because he ruined your because he he birth, had all my dad's yeah, yeah. attention when I was a kid, um, and he was like the Prime Minister um, and my mum was also Shree Blair's special advisor so yeah. they were both working there full time um, so I guess that's a kind of like gender thing but I'm also just like I just love talking about like relationships and the the smaller things Yeah. so I'm just like just just live so that I can have all these weird experiences that I can talk about <laughs> Is it important for you to, because it would also mean that wouldn't be a show that is about you being Alistair Campbell's daughter Yeah totally I want this show to be like you know I've always been Alistair Campbell's daughter because he's Alistair Campbell and I'm I love him so I'm, I've never been like I'm going to change my name I'm, I don't want to be his daughter but I thought I'd write this show and talk you know I do like I talk about everything that people always want to know about like being Alice Campbell's daughter and then I hope after that I can sort of just try and be me it's fascinating I don't know how you make that shift without you know then wanting to just do sort of unexpected item in the bagging area type well I don't think it would ever be that but I think it would be much more like just Amy Schumer's the first person that's coming into my yeah. head, but that kind of feminist comedy and that you're talking about just things that women go yeah. through day in, day out. And it is political, obviously, but it's not like Westminster, because that's why the show's called Why I'm Never Going Into Politics. Like, yeah. so you, I don't... If your next show is very political, yes. it'll be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, tell you what, we'll move on and we'll talk about the current state of politics in a sec. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast with me, Matt Jolly. Joined in the studio by Grace Campbell and Matt Ford. So let's... You, you've both touched on it a bit about the, the state of politics in general and the Labour Party in particular, which you know best. I don't really know where to start with the state of the Labour Party. I mean, whether it's position on Brexit, anti-Semitism, Jeremy Corbyn... You know, the, you know what my main reflection is? This was all inevitable. The day he became leader, this was what was going to happen. And what I really have to guard against myself is people I know that voted for him that overlooked the information was given they knew he'd been friends with Hamas and Hezbollah they know what fellow travellers those politics bring the prejudice that walks with it and they overlooked it because uh, we wanted a more left-wing Labour leader and not only that obviously incompetent and not up to the job and now all these people who by the way went to good schools and good universities a lot of them their political judgement really has been proven to be awful and uh, I have to really hold myself back 
from getting very angry at people about it because people who should have known better allowed this to happen mm. and that's why we're here. But it's interesting because, like, firstly, completely agree, but, like, my generation... People, all of my friends voted for him. All mm. of my friends signed up to be those three pound members so that they could vote for him. Yeah. And I remember at the time, my like my mum kept being like, you know, if someone like my grandma, who's been a member of the Labour Party her whole life, has canvassed for the Labour Party whenever there's been any need to. These like three pound members, they're just like fair weather friends. They just came to get Jeremy Corbyn in and have done nothing for the Labour Party yeah. since. And I was quite guilty of that. Like, I used to argue with my parents about him because I was like. 20 and I was like he's like different like he's do you know what I mean like oh, it was different <laughs> it was that awful thing of like I was more left-wing than my parents yeah. and I thought he offered something different and then as soon as he became leader it was just like disappointment after disappointment and now I don't meet anyone who doesn't regret yeah. voting for him it's awful and it could have just been avoided and you know and that is partly also you know and I get on with Ed Miliband but when he says oh, I voted for Chaos with Ed Miliband, you're like, you did give Chaos to the Labour Party. <laughs> and arguably to Syria. So, like, let's not let's not all um, pretend that that would have been a, a smoother path. It would have been a different path that didn't involve Brexit. But the Labour Party now is the most extreme it has ever been. And it is a nasty place for Jewish people, and that is an unforgivable place to get to. And I just, I can't believe I ever worked for it for a number of reasons. I can't believe they would ever employ an idiot like me. But I, it, I mean, it's you've seen some of the people who work for the party now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> people are in charge of it, but it, it, it saddens me. Is the worst thing about it. I feel so, I'm depressed about it. It's awful. It's really tragic. And to overlook the suffering of people, people who are suicidal dismissed as, you know, disgruntled know, former was, members of staff. This is the whistleblowers on the Panorama program. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no humanity about it. And, you know, I dealt with people like Jeremy Corbyn before, and I knew his sort. They pose as genteel, calm, pleasant people, and that masks a ruthless political streak, an authoritarian political ideology, and a way of dealing with people who disagree with you that is frankly despicable. And I'd seen it in Labour Party branches across the UK. I left the day he became leader. You left because the party. I knew immediately what was going to happen. I don't, I wow. didn't want to give it. I didn't want to fund it. I didn't want to. I have not voted for Labour since I became leader. I've not given a single penny to anything associated with them because I knew it was going to become this swamp. And I'm really sorry to have been proved right. I would, nothing would have pleased me more than for him to actually have been the moderate that people hoped he was going to be. But his record showed us. And the record of the hard left in the Labour Party showed us what was going to happen, and it hasn't. Do you oh, think it it so we could ever get back to the I glory mean, days? New Labour's maybe too, too far because that's quite toxic now. But do you think we could get back there? Well, in now, a way, but is isn't isn't late? part of the problem that he is his success was born out of a reaction to New Labour? Totally. That's the. Yeah. But New Labour. But politics, then, vice, won't it happen yeah, the other way now? You know, I mean, and in yeah. a way, that whenever anyone says. Oh, you know, there's no going back from this, and that doesn't matter whether it's you know we're, we're going to have coalition governments forever, and then we had a majority government again, and the Lib Dems yeah. were dead, and they were never going to come back. And now the Lib Dems are back again. You know, every time somebody says, "Well, that's that finished," that's that thing can never happen. It of course going to happen in politics. Yeah, and where New Labour, the brand, the phrase might be toxic on parts of the left, but that point on the political spectrum, I still think is where most people are. Yeah, is socially liberal, internationalist tough on crime, strong on defence, more money for schools and hospitals. I don't think that's particularly radical. I don't think that's particularly <laughs> toxic. I think that's where most people are. And I think most people, if you if you gave them a relentless pro-immigration message, would come round. 
And if you sold the benefits of the EU in the same way that people have sold the negatives, i.e. for 40 years and relentlessly, the tone in this country would be very different. I think that's where politics needs to get to. But the problem is, is that the only way you can save the Labour Party now, if you think it should be saved and if you want it to be saved, is for two to three hundred thousand. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com thousand people to join it is for basically someone to trigger a leadership contest and say if you want to save the Labour Party and if you want to save the country from a Tory Brexit 
help me lead the... Let's say if Jess Phillips said, I'm going to yeah. stand for the leadership, I need 300,000 people in this country to help me change Labour and change the country, then maybe it's game on. We had a Times YouGov poll in July which showed that she was one of the least popular amongst the current membership. Anyway, her and Tom Watson were the ones who were definitely the most of us. Yeah, but that's because but that's the whole, that's the the whole reason why you need to pull <laughs> yeah. the others in. Yeah. That's why you need the new members. Yeah. You need to do what he did. Yeah. Bring yeah. in yeah. the new people and defeat it. But whether people can be bothered, who knows? Do you think there's... I mean, obviously we had the performance art experiment that was Change UK, but do you think there is a new <laughs> party or does it have to come out of one of the existing party structures? They've shown that it's really hard... And obviously they the made it part- look very difficult. The, the new party that's done well is the Brexit party. Yeah. So new parties can succeed. Whether Boris gets those people back now, probably does. Mm. But let's see. It is hard. Maybe some of us need to be a bit less sniffy about the Lib Dems. Yeah. You know, we're all there going, if only there was some socially liberal pro-European centre grand party that <laughs> didn't wear socks with sandals. Like, if that's going to be the, if that's the red line. I then, like Joe Swinson as well. Yeah, I like Joe Swinson mm. and I like Vince Cable and mm. I like a lot of what they stand for. So then... Some of us, I think, just need to get over ourselves a bit mm. and maybe look at the Lib Dems, because they're the only UK-wide pro-European party. And, of course, your dad famously voted Lib Dem, <laughs> as we know. Oh, the European, well. yeah, You get kicked out of the Labour Party faster for I voting know. Lib Dem than you do for being a massive racist. <laughs> what, have you always voted Labour? Have you ever been tempted by the Lib Dems? No, I voted Lib Dem in the European oh, elections. Oh, you did as well? Yeah. Was that a whole house decision? Uh, it wasn't, actually. I don't think I spoke to my parents about it, but... Like, for all of the obvious reasons, I just think Corbyn's stance on Brexit has been terrible. So Are you still a member of the Labour Party? No. Oh, right. No, I Otherwise stopped being... you're about to be suspended. No, I stopped <laughs> being a member probably, like, a year after he'd been leader, mainly because my mum was paying it, and she was like, do you want a beer? And I was like, no, I don't like him, so... <laughs> That's but, bad when you cancelled, even though you weren't paying it. Yeah, It wasn't yeah, even yeah. like I could save some money. No, I was like, don't care, over it. Um, <laughs> they don't like my dad, so... <laughs> But yeah, I would, I would, I would struggle voting for the Labour Party if there was general election tomorrow. I'd really struggle. Just sad. I mean, it'd be a, a surprise if we had an election in the middle of August. But it's possible an election is coming at some point, if only because Boris Johnson will realise come the autumn that he doesn't have a majority and it's quite difficult to get anything through the House of Commons. So, what, what do you think happens? Where does politics go in the next year? In a general <laughs> election, Boris beats Corbyn. By a tiny amount, though, would you say? But I think the Lib Dems would probably do really well. I hope the Lib Dems would do well. But I think Corbyn is collapsing the Labour Party. And I think so many people can't bring themselves to vote for him. So maybe they go Lib Dem. Maybe, you know what, maybe maybe you don't get an overall majority. But I think the one thing you can say for Boris is, in a general election campaign, you can see him being very muscular. And And getting a lot of those Brexit... Party and people. to be fair to the Brexiteers, and I always have to remind myself of this, is they won by a fair enough margin. Three years on, that has not been delivered. Now, we know why it hasn't been delivered, but nevertheless, I would be frustrated. I would also hope, like to think that I would have begun to rethink things a bit, but nevertheless, Boris at least makes Brexiteers feel good, and he totally believes in it, as much as Boris can ever believe in anything. So he is going to sort of beat the drum for Brexit and he's going to do all that. You know, we can be a Greek country. You know, why, where, why all the pessimism, by the way? And actually, that will, that will, it doesn't work on me and I don't think it works on either of you two. But it will work on a certain section of people who go, you know what, we're sick of feeling miserable about it. And well, no, he will no, rally actually, people. I do, well, what I think is that he has been right in pointing out that Theresa May treating Brexit like a sort of 
terrible weather event that had to be got through. Yes. Rather than looking like she thought it was a good idea, actually over the course of three years does affect public opinion and even the, the opinion of her colleagues. If she yeah. looks like she thinks it's a terrible idea, why would anyone go and vote for it in the House of Commons? Exactly. And so, actually, and it is, you know, it is a ridiculous thing to keep saying, if only we'd been a bit more upbeat, everything would be all right. But there is something about that in politics and leadership. They're actually saying this is a good idea, we can go out there and make a success of it. That will carry some people. Well, that's it. It doesn't change the deal and it doesn't change the economic reality of Brexit at all. But what it does change... a massive sigh at the mention of the Brexit. We're back there. It's coming, though. It's coming, though. (laughs) I know. It's terrifying that it's him that's doing it the next the next you know season in the in the box set is back in the autumn it's going to be the same all over again but at mm. record speed it's because it has to all be done in a couple but of weeks but imagine that election campaign so the last one Theresa May basically chucked it away and didn't do any let's say Boris and Corbyn agreed to do face to face debates Boris is going to get on him he's, he's lying he, is, he would buy the you, you Russian friends of his <laughs> who try to kill people. And look at his face. He knows he's... He will get absolutely in his face. I have to do Boris Johnson in my show. You do it so well. <laughs> come on, come on. And how are you? No, I can't. Just you a little just bit. just put me to shame. Just a little bit. I can't. It's just... So I have this story where I went to a Miley Cyrus concert with him. Cool. With my dad. And we went down... Well, just to, the three of you? Well, no. My dad got me tickets. And then we were in the box with Boris Johnson and his daughters. Because oh, man. that's how privilege works. So you know how many kids he's got then? Well, I've met two of them. I've met two. How big was the box? (laughs) (laughs) And we went down to meet Miley Cyrus before she went on stage and he was mayor at the time and he shakes her hand and he goes, I'm a very big fan of the hoedown throwdown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Because it's in my bit where I talk about how he's a hoe and no one's talking about it. You know, yeah, he's yeah. a slag. He is, yeah. Um, but your impersonation is so much better than mine, so I'm going to watch videos <laughs> of you. <laughs> yeah. That's a hell of a story. Yeah. Wow. You see, it's the worst of perks to being the daughter of somebody no, working at No, it's been, honestly, the fertile ground that I've been given. It's You would have been silly not to have done comedy. And what about, <laughs> without ruining your show completely, what about the Vladimir Putin's children? We went up the London Eye with them. I got into some trouble. Basically, Mrs Putin was asking Sheree Blair where she could get the girls some shoes. I do do an accent, but I'm not going to do it now. I'm already feeling very insecure about my my linguistics. What, a Sheree Blair impression or a Mrs Putin impression? I do both. Okay. Um, And then anyway, Sheree Blair's listing all the different shoe shops she could take the girls to get some shoes, and I just butted in and I was like, why don't you just take them to Clark's? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good idea. I know, but basically the whole setup of my show is that I was like a proper bully when I was a kid oh really Be- well I was just really arrogant yeah because of who my dad was <laughs> do fault. you blame me it's all his fault <laughs> he was like very powerful you just went around very... giving everyone the hair dry treatment so and I was like his favourite person in the world so I was like god I'm basically just as powerful as him wow <laughs> yeah. what an amazing experience yeah. I know I've come out the other side thank god I'm very insecure now <laughs> That's healthy. Yeah, you need a balance. Yeah. You need a balance. Did she go to Clark's? No, but there's a picture of us on the London Eye, and the girl looks like she's wearing wallabies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think we could top that unless you've got any. Um, My childhood stories, I'm afraid, are far more mundane. You didn't, you didn't go on the London Eye with any world leaders. No, I grew up in Snenton, which is a inner city area of Nottingham. there's no glamour there I'm afraid well okay let's before we wind up do your proper plugs when are you on and how can people find you 
I'm on at the Gilded Balloon Wee Room in the Bristow Square Tevia. That's I pitched that terribly. I'll say it again. I'm on at the Gilded Balloon Tevia in the Wee Room at three fifteen every day. And my name is Grace Campbell, and you can find me on Instagram, and it's Disgrace Campbell. Perfect. Three fifteen. That's great. That's like I know. plenty of drinking time after that. I know. But I'm going to try and not booze. <laughs> you know what? Got, you know what? That's really good. I barely yeah. booze in Edinburgh anymore. And yeah, it's so much I'm, better for I, it. I'm not boozing that much anyway at the moment. So. No, I think that's a good idea. What yeah. about you, Matt? My show, Brexit Pursued by a Bear, is on at the Pleasance Courtyard at half eight every night, and on the 14th of August at the Gilded Balloon TV, I'm interviewing Kezia Dugdale. And on the 20th of August at the Gilded Balloon TV, I'm interviewing Nicola Sturgeon. Yep. Oh, and I have to say, on the 21st, I'm interviewing Ruth Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my dad are doing our live podcast recording with Ruth Davidson and then the two more people I'm not allowed to say yet. But, oh, yeah. we shall see. Mystery. But it's not Nicola, because you still have from us. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, my huge thanks to you both. And if you are, you know, if you're not going to Edinburgh, you want to go and see somebody who's apparently not done nearly enough uh, practice, you can find um, details of my tour at mytimesplus.co.uk. Uh, my huge thanks to Grace and to Matt. For me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>